0: This is episode number 335 with UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Randy Couture. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome, everyone, to this incredible episode with the man of the hour, Randy Couture. I'm so excited about this. I did not want to stop this conversation. I had so much fun and enjoyed how far Randy went in this episode and how much he talked about. We talked a lot about many things. But for those who don't know who Randy is, he's a former collegiate wrestler turned UFC fighter turned superstar actor, and he is best known for starring in all three of the expendables ambushed and the Scorpion King Two. He also served as a four time us Olympic wrestling team alternate and is a six time world heavyweight and light heavyweight UFC champion and hall of famer. Now he also served as a soldier in the U S army and he did that before he actually went into the UFC. So he served for many years And then it wasn't until his late 20s and early 30s when he got into the UFC when most people actually start retiring at that age. And he is the first of only two fighters to hold two UFC championship titles in two different divisions. Now, he is known as one of the uh, roughest, toughest guys in the world. And also, I was so touched by his generosity, his calmness, his love, his joy. I mean, he is an amazing human being. He's more than what it looks like on the surface. And we talk a lot about his history. You know, his father left when he was a young kid, and he had a lot to deal with growing up and really wasn't able to express his emotions in a certain way. And, uh, talked about how he's overcome that. We talked about the definition of a real man and what it means to be masculine in the modern world. We talk about how to achieve your dreams at the age when people don't think is even possible. We talk about reinventing yourself as Randy has done over and over and over again. We talk about relationships. Uh, As Randy's gone through many different ups and downs in relationships, we talk about how to raise children who want to be fighters. We talk about a lot here, and I'm super pumped and excited to introduce you to him because he is just a a genuine, incredible human being, and I think you're going to fall in love with him as much as I did. Make sure to share this one out, guys. This one's a lot of fun. Check out the full video interview back at lewishouse.com slash 335 because um, this one is a powerful one, and we really go there in a lot of ways. Also, at the end... You know, Randy never got to tell his dad how he really felt about him leaving when he was a young kid. And at the end, he shares with me what he w- wish he could have told his dad before his dad passed away. So, some powerful things here. A lot of great stories from, uh, uh, working on The Expendables with Sylvester Stallone and Chuck Norris and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these superstars, shared some incredible stories, and I think you're going to fall in love with this. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the one, the only, Randy Couture. Welcome, everyone, to the Things podcast. We've got the weeks head to netsuite.com slash greatness netsuite.com slash greatness again head to netsuite.com slash greatness legendary randy couture on thanks so much for coming to pleasure the you man i pleasure. appreciate it thanks. you were like the epitome of like the ultimate man so i'm excited to have you come <laughs> out here you're like the ultimate badass the ultimate man but um i think I, I think the idea of you is like this ultimate badass and man it's like you're like the, also the nicest guy I probably had at the studio. You're like the Uh, warmest, kindest, like most gentle uh, soul as well. Thanks. I try to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, Um, I want to share some facts about you that I I found on the internet. And you have to tell me if these are all true or not um, because you never know what the internet says. (laughs) But um, is it true that you served in the U.S. Army? That's correct. From 82 to 88? Yeah, yeah. Six years in the
1: the United States Army. uh, Went in at 19, had a, a brand new family. Wow. Uh, coming along and, and, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't afford, could stay in college basically. I, oh, yeah. I well, walked on at Washington State in 1981,
0: 82 and wrestling. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. And, uh, didn't have a scholarship or any oh, of really? that stuff. So, uh, I decided to join the service. And mm. my, my dad was in the Navy. My uncle was in the Navy. Uh, the Army uh seemed like a way to go for me. They were given a $5,000 enlistment bonus at that time like, That's as gold. an air traffic controller, which I was interested in aviation. I originally joined because I wanted to fly. Huh. And uh it, so I took the $5,000, went to, to air traffic control school and was an air traffic controller. But they figured out pretty quickly that I could wrestle. Like, there was um, like
0: a freestyle wrestling team with, with yeah, the army. so the yeah.
1: all-army wrestling team, which I didn't know anything about when I joined. Really? But, uh, I won a post-tournament at Fort Rucker and then went straight to Germany. My first duty station was in Germany. And at that time, in the peak of the Cold War, there was about five million soldiers stationed in Central Europe. There was a lot of soldiers because wow. of you know the, the Soviets and the whole thing that was going on at that time. And uh, so they had huge sports programs for morale. You know, and all those sorts of things. And I ended up winning a, a wrestling championship in, in U- U.S. Army Europe, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a chance to try out for the All-Army Wrestling Team wow. and wrestle representing the Army at the Inner Service, inner service Championship. And then found out that that was a qualifier for the, for the Olympic trials. That's insane. So this whole thing took off that I thought had died, you know, when I, when I got married, had my first kid, uh-huh. uh, you know, I was a state, one time state champion in Washington was trying to walk on and make the team. At, but you didn't uh, even get a scholarship. State. They weren't no. even looking at you. Yeah.
0: No, Essentially really weren't get... good enough for a D1 scholarship at the time.
1: Uh, yeah, that's basically what it boiled down to. Wow. Uh, I had a couple of junior colleges that were interested in me at that time, sure. but uh, you know, they were looking for the guys that wrestled year-round that were going to the junior nationals and mm-hmm. winning national titles at that junior age bracket, and I never did that. I never wrestled Freestyle or Greco at all, yeah. uh, and then here I am in the Army uh, wrestling Greco and Freestyle, First, you know, really first time I'd ever done it. Sure. You know?
0: uh, and Amazing. It, and so you went to the Olympic... Trials.
1: I represented the army and, and was an alternate on the '88 Olympic team as a soldier. Amazing. In in the four four of my six year enlistment, I spent wrestling and wow. won a couple of inter service championships and and ended up placing very very high in, in Greco. My coach was a Greco guy and uh, Floyd Winter. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, th- those guys, those coaches were were important to me because I didn't. My dad wasn't really around, mm. so. Those were the guys I looked up to. They taught me that work ethic, and those were the guys I kind of emulated. Uh, yeah. Taught me how to be a man in a lot of ways uh, through the sport of wrestling. So, hmm. all my coaches—Coach Casebeard, you know, Coach McAvoy uh, in the Army, uh, Coach Winter, and then at, in college, Coach Burnett and, and Coach Say—were those were important guys in my life. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah. What would
0: up- what would you say is the definition of a man to you? What's it mean the to be
1: definition a of a man, I, I think, uh, a real man doesn't really have to wear it on his sleeve. You know, you, you can be, you can, you can be tender. You can show mm-hmm. emotion. You can be vulnerable. If that's the word you want to use, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You never let your ego get in the way of, of, uh, what's right, what you really need to do. Mm-hmm. And we all struggle with that. We all, we all have that, uh, we wrestle with that if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and i don't you know i don't know maybe it was because my dad was never around much i was always striving to to uh gain that find that self-worth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if i wasn't good enough for my own dad to be around right. you know, it was always that that kind of doubt in the back of my mind that i i had to prove myself i had to to earn it somehow that's why I got into the sport of wrestling. I knew through stories from my mom that he was a wrestler. Mm. He wrestled and so I thought maybe I'll get his attention if I wrestled. And it didn't work out that way, but I found where I was supposed to be. I found the thing I was good at. I found the thing right. that helped me travel down the road and gain sure. that appreciation and value in myself.
0: Yeah. Did you feel like you had a lot of aggression when you were wrestling? Or you were kind of taking it out on the mat on other people or I was
1: never a fighter. I'd never gotten to I had, you know, maybe two street fights all through school. Uh, and maybe that was because I was on the mat, getting, all, you getting know, it out, getting that physicalness, and uh, and getting all that out on the mat. Uh, I did. I wasn't. Ne- I was never really an angry kid. Mm. I think I was always kind of that guy that was smiling, you know, <laughs> even when he's getting his ass kicked. Uh, so I don't know. I was just wasn't wired that way. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for a guy that walks up in a cage and fights somebody, that's. People can't have trouble wrapping their brain around that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, even walking out, walking out the tunnel, walking out to the cage, I was always winking, smiling, ha- you know, this is what I'm here for. This is what I trained to do. I'm, I'm here to have a good time and show everybody mm. what I've been working on. And yeah. this is my opportunity. It wasn't about anger, animosity, aggression, any of those things. It was about competition for sure. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between being competitive and being aggressive and, mm. and having that, you know.
0: Do you think a lot of the guys who maybe are wrestling or in the UFC or high level MMA are doing it out of competition or more of out of anger, trying to prove something, trying to, you know, show their I man think we're all or, competitive for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then everybody's an individual.
1: What, what motivated them to step into it is, is a really, really personal individual question. Yeah. Same thing about retiring. You know, everybody asked me because, you know, what about Mandalay Silva? Should he retire? What about, you know, Dan Henderson is a good friend of mine who's still fighting, uh, well into his forties and, and, you know, should Dan retire? And I'm like, man, that's, that's a tough question to ask me to. Cause you're to, 48 when you retire, you right? Know, right? Yeah. I, I definitely pushed it further than a lot of guys may push it. Dan's, Dan's been fighting longer than I fought and, uh, wow. still competing at a very high level. It's a personal thing. You know, Tito Ortiz, you know, his first UFC was, was the same as me, UFC 13. He's still fighting, still fighting for Bellator, you know, and and still has that passion and wants to put himself out there and, and, and grind out a camp and go out and compete against somebody. And I, I just had other things I wanted to focus on. Yeah. Such a personal thing.
0: Yeah. So since your dad wasn't around uh, growing up, who was the most influential person in your life? Well,
1: my mom, obviously she was working, you know, two two jobs a lot of times to take care of three kids mostly by herself. And, uh, you know, that I, I had a chore list every week. I you know, I learned a, a work ethic and, uh, and just, you know, I was the oldest uh, yeah. of three, I had two younger sisters. And there was a lot of you know, responsibility on me as the oldest guy in the house, the only guy in the house mm. for a long time to, to take care of things, to, Get stuff done
0: did your mom ever remarry, or she did for a while
1: uh she was married to Don through my junior high and high school years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh I guess it lasted about six years yeah and and there were a whole bunch of things about Don that I really liked. He was an outdoorsman, he was an mm-hmm. avid hunter, an avid fisherman, he was one of those do it yourself kind of guys fix yeah, the yeah. cars you know oh, let's out, build yeah. a, let's build a cement stairway in the backyard up to the back you know. I knew how to do all that kind of stuff. So for a kid my age, that was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I I would love that sort of thing. But at the same time, he was kind of a a verbally abusive kind of, Mm. uh, an incessant tease, but always took that way too far. And, and it was, I think, hurtful in a lot of ways. Yeah. So kind of any confidence you gained, you got kind of undermined and, and, uh, there was something still wrong. yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what about the male, uh, the male role models for you, like the, again, the my coaches were real
1: important. Uh, you know, some of my friends' fathers mm. took me under the, you know, my, one of my best friends, Mark Baggerly, his dad, Mr. Baggerly, I, you know, mom, Pa bags. I, they called yeah. him mom and dad. Uh, he was our Boy Scout troop leader. Uh, uh Tim Deachman, my neighbor, one of my good friends, his dad, John, you know, my car need fixing. i go to one of those two. They knew how to fix it. They knew how to build it. They knew sure, how to sure. take care of it. And and uh those were the guys that, you know, picked up the slack
0: in a lot of ways. What would you say were the biggest lessons that your your coaches, your wrestling coaches taught you about on the mat on the mat and off the mat and how was their approach to teaching?
1: I think just
0: uh diligence
1: be, you know whatever it was going to be you needed to work for it well, nobody was yeah. going to hand it to you nobody's going to feel sorry for you you better suck it up and, and get it done and mm-hmm. do it yourself don't rely on somebody else and uh the sport of wrestling is one of those few sports i think that develops that kind of character yeah you know you spend the time run the extra mile do the extra drilling you know just mm-hmm. uh it's going to pay off and you're going to see the results and you're going to, you're going to win the matches, the close matches, the tough matches. Uh And I think that I learned that from the sport and from those guys that taught me and, and made me work mm-hmm. in the sport.
0: All right. What about being in the army? What was that like, you know, wrestling, but also what was the energy like with just all the men in there? What was the, what was that
1: experience like? I mean, formative time from 19 to 25 years old, so well, so yeah, looking yeah. you know going through military training basic training and advanced training and uh, aerosol school primary leadership school those are all schools military schools that I went through when I was in that during that six years mm-hmm. as well as being part of, of an elite wrestling team and and all the work that that's it a lot goes of work for that uh, I think you, you start to look at the world in, in a particular way you look through a specific set of eyes and, and apply that to every problem that you come up up against and mm-hmm. uh and I, I i think that that that's what ultimately carried me down the road and mm-hmm. allowed me success you know to get through college from 25 to 29 hmm. uh older than most of the guys yeah on the team that that were right that i was competing against and competing with uh and then ultimately into mma at, mm-hmm. at 33 almost 34 years that's old when you started competed till i was till i was 48
0: so so, 30 was that your first ufc fight was i mean you-
1: i was Thirty-three, almost thirty-four. Yeah, May of May of nineteen ninety-seven.
0: A lot of guys retire then, don't yeah.
1: they? Yeah, <laughs> by by combative sports,
0: they're done. Uh, they're beat. Most up. guys
1: are over the hill at, at that age already. But I think. That's changed a little too. Mm-hmm. Through the sports uh, or the science of sports, mm-hmm. you know, forty has kind of become what thirty used to be. Right. Uh, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, we're seeing a lot recover a lot faster across the that. board. A lot of guys are pushing it into their forties, mm-hmm. well into their forties, where it used to be. And you pushed it maybe into your thirties or mid thirties, right? Uh, as a professional athlete, as a high level athlete,
0: what's the difference between preparing for a wrestling match um, where you know you're not going to get kicked in the face? Compared to preparing for, you know, an all-out cage fight, where it's like the guy's uh, trying to trying to literally kill you as opposed to pin you. It's a, it's a much, you know, it's a different well, energy. Uh, wrestling is is a like how do you go into that mentally, it's, a much, it's a
1: concentrated
0: version of
1: MMA. Yeah, uh, a wrestling match, even if it goes overtime, is only going to last nine minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, whole the average collegiate match is seven minutes. Uh, uh, a freestyle match is six minutes, and then there's some overtime if if it's that close. It's quick. Yeah, so that's a and you're being called constantly for stalling for passivity. So <laughs> you've I mean, you, you had constant action. That's one of the first things I had to learn was to temper that wrestling mindset that I'd spent so many years developing, and, and know when I could rest, know when I could pull back, play position, you know, take a break because it's for a 25 minute fight there's no way you can go at that pace. No you're going to you're going to tank at some point. Uh and you don't want to be there. Run out of gas in the middle of a fight's not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. So learning to kind of temper that energy, when to turn it on, when to turn it off and that only comes with experience. So yeah. uh I think uh finding a good healthy group of guys to train with. Guys, I knew guys I trusted that were gonna. I knew they were gonna push me. They wanted to punch me as bad as I wanted to punch them. But at mm. the same time, they <laughs> were gonna take care of you. They yeah. weren't trying to hurt you. They weren't, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't trying to prove that they were better than you. Or that I had a great group of of wrestling friends like Dan Henderson, Matt Lillard. We we all kind of got into this at the same time, mm. and uh so we knocked the hell out of each other, but we had a <laughs> blast
0: doing it. What was the most memorable moment for you as a wrestler?
1: As a wrestler, I think the Pan Am Championships in Havana, Cuba, Mm. uh, in 1991. Uh, I was, you know, the Cuban in my weight class. I'd wrestled him several times. I'd never beat him. He was a silver medalist in the Olympics, a silver medal, silver medalist at the world championships. He was very, very good. Uh, and then I wrestled him in the finals in Havana in front of Fidel. Uh, and I beat him. That was the first and only time I beat him. (laughs) Uh, it was, it was amazing. Uh, just wow! Just a, a great match. I, I was on. You know, it was like one of those times when you got everything right and you peaked and just right. had that that competition where everything just flowed. I picked him up and I threw him, and and he actually made the news. The, the throw <laughs> did. So it was just one of those. Wow! One of those events where everything came together.
0: Is that video on YouTube? Any chance? I don't know. Maybe. I gotta. I gotta might, link that might up be. in the show
1: notes if we can find that. That's yeah. cool. And did you
0: qualify for the Olympics then?
1: That qualified the weight class uh uh-huh. the hemispheric championship the pan am championships yeah. uh, uh wrestling's one of those sports where you have to qualify your weight class to go to the olympics uh unlike the world championships in a non-olympic year mm-hmm. anybody can go right anybody that has a team can send a team and, and right. go to the world championships or the olympics you, there's a qualification process you have to qualify through either having placed at the world's at a, at a yeah. top 6 mm-hmm. or top 2 in your hemisphere yeah, uh, and did you finds your then? weight. Uh, I ended up losing in the trials. Oh man, so I was the number one guy in my weight class oh. in '92 and '96, and managed to take second in those trials. So oh. yeah, devastated. That's tough. they so go four years and then oh my, I I know the feeling. Stumble in the final match and you know to make the team. Uh, oh. so I was an alternate. Um, That's tough. In both those years, as the number one guy, the guy everybody expected. But I think that you know. That motivated me. That kept me motivated into my thirties. You know, I was still, still wanted to compete, still felt like mm. I had things to accomplish. And, and it worked out. Had I made one of those teams and won my medal, I probably would be coaching somewhere and like we I'm wouldn't done. be sitting here talking, right. to yeah. be honest. The 30 years I, I old. Mean, I'm I, done. I, I achieved uh, yeah, the dream. Yeah. I would have, I would have stayed in coaching and just continued huh. to coach as a college coach and, uh, would have never probably forayed into MMA and, and done all the stuff that
0: happened there. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com, where their award-winning app, State Farm, lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Isn't it funny how sometimes our biggest letdowns can turn into, like, the greatest opportunities for us? Yeah,
1: if we keep our wits about us and stay focused and not let it, you know, not let it change us.
0: Wow. Ruinous as people, <laughs> I uh, I've competed. I play uh, on the USA team for a sport called team handball.
1: Oh yeah, great you know, sport. Team home? Yeah, and so I've been with
0: it. I've been to the last Pan Am championships uh, in Brazil and uh, Argentina. The last two in 2012, 2014, and the uh, 2016 is next month, and so I'm going with the USA team. Yeah. to Argentina again for. Uh, for a week and a half to compete in the Pan Am Championships to qualify us for Worlds, so mm-hmm. I'm right there. Yeah, and I'm 33, mm-hmm. so I'm still playing the sport, kind of at an yeah. older age. It's not as intense physically as uh, UFC, but it's still really intense. No, it's an absolutely it's a physical it's a, sport. A, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, a fan of, of the sport. It's a great sport, right? Having
1: lived in Germany for three years, Huge it's Germany. very, very popular in Europe. Huge, yeah. Much more popular than it is here.
0: It's pretty much unknown uh, here. Yeah, yeah.
1: and uh, and so uh, I'm familiar with the sport. Yeah. That's cool. Did you ever play? Never played. Yeah. Watched it. And yeah, it's we, fun. You know, I like to watch it. It's, yeah, it's uh, cool. But I never had the opportunity to
0: play it. Yeah. So it's it's cool that you uh had that experience in Cuba, um. Because I'm gonna be experiencing that here very soon. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how did you prepare then for UFC fights? You went from wrestling in transition into MMA, uh, mm-hmm. in UFC. How did you decide like, okay, I'm going to start punching people now. And I've never done that before. Yeah. I've only been in two street fights, essentially. i yeah. never learned to punch. Which is a whole
1: different thing. Yeah. A whole
0: different thing. Um, how did that transition happen? I used that wrestling eyes that I developed
1: that, mm-hmm. again, you, know, you look at the world in a particular way and, okay, here are the rules of engagement. Here's what I need to learn. Here's what I think, you know, how I see myself as an athlete, how yeah. I match up, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that, uh, were habits that I developed as a wrestler. First of all, the mental skills the, to deal That's with the adversity, uh, deal with the adversity of competition, yeah. which is the difference between a lot of the best guys and and some of the guys that had the physical talent but never really kind of got over the line, mm-hmm. never really finished strong. I had the opportunity to work with sports psychologists and learn some mental skills and and apply that then to fighting. And then the a wrestler breaks things down in a very hmm tactical technical by the numbers kind of way that's how we learn in wrestling and I uh, just started applying that same thing to, to fighting it's like okay I need to know what these jiu-jitsu guys are doing how does this work and what you know start putting myself in those situations and technically trying to learn yeah. their perspective and what they're trying to do and where were the pitfalls for me as a as a wrestler who tends to be aggressive uh, you know, where am I going to get in trouble here? What, you yeah. know, and just, and the same thing with boxing, kickboxing, all that. I'd never really done a lot of that. Uh, so I had, I just had to keep putting myself out there, be willing yeah. to get punched, be willing to get submitted, <laughs> be willing to, to take my lumps basically yeah. as I learned. But that learning curve, I think was fast because I was a, a high level wrestler mm-hmm. and was willing to check my ego and just put myself out there regardless of. Right what I'd done in wrestling that didn't matter at that point. Uh, yeah. So,
0: uh, it worked out. What was the mindset, like the approach when you are like, okay, I've got a, I've got a fight coming up. How did you think? Did you think differently on a daily basis? Was your, you know, where did you go in your mind, in your zone?
1: Uh, well, I think he, you know, for me it was sit down. Okay. They want you to fight this guy. Yeah. I'll sit down with my trainers, my, my strength coach, my Ground coach, my striking coach. Those are the three guys sure. that are going to help me On prepare. Team, yeah. uh, we'd sit down, we'd look at footage, we'd try and find the oldest fight to the newest fight <sighs> of this guy, and just watch him fight. And as every fight, he could. or yeah, as much as could, as many as I could find. Wow. We'd watch and you know get an idea how he'd progressed, where he was, where he where he won fights, where he lost fights, where he seemed to score, where he didn't seem to like to be. Uh, and then have to be rational about, okay, well, how does my style fit with this guy? Where can I put him? I have a pretty good idea what I'm good at. Yeah. How can I put him in positions where I'm in the best spot to win this fight, to make him uncomfortable to to make him quit, to make him work harder than he wants to work Interesting. and and make him quit. Uh, and then you formulate a game plan. you know, okay, these are the things I need to be aware of. And watch out for, because he's he's good at these things. These are the things he doesn't seem to like to want or want to do, or, or where he wants to be. Uh, and and then you start fashioning your your certain days you're doing strength and conditioning, certain days you're yeah. sharpening striking tools, certain days you're sparring hard with sparring partners that are making yeah. you work and, and making sure your your mindset and your and your physical conditioning is up where it needs to be. Sure. And you map it out. Here's fight night. Seven days back, here's my last hard workout because mm-hmm. I need to rest and have my legs under me. You just map it out, okay? Here's are my these are my strength conditioning days. These are my mitt work days. These are my hard sparring days. Right. And you go all the way back to the, here's the day we are actually watching film and and formulating this plan. And now you start executing the plan every day. Mm-hmm. And uh and you you get halfway through it, you're like, man, what was I thinking? That looked really good on paper, but <laughs> I am beat. I I need to take a day off. I need to learn, you know, that's one For of your things I had camp, to learn. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had to learn to listen to my body. I had to have the confidence in the plan to take a day off here or there to let myself recover, let myself, you know, get a breather active rest days where you're out of the gym. You're not in on the mat grinding out another day. Go ride your mountain bike, go do something else that that is still physical, but not, Yeah. not the, the same thing it gives you that break. Uh, the the and, grind
0: is tough, man. And when you were, let's say it's uh an hour before the fight, What was your routine like? You know, you're getting, you're in the, in the arena, you hear the, the noise, the 50,000 screaming fans. That's why you're smiling. You're the ticket. It's
1: that time.
0: Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you do, think, breathe, eat,
1: feel? You don't really eat much then. (laughs) You know, most of that's been taken care of. You ate earlier in the day and Mm -hmm. you're really operating on what you ate the night before after Mm -hmm. weigh-ins. Um, uh, you, you have a ritual. I, I warm up you know yeah. uh you you wear a specific set of clothes you 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 uh do go through a specific set of calisthenics and warm up exercises mm-hmm. and stretching and and then you have a game plan, so you know you're gonna put yourself in kind of drilling in those situations the things that you've trained to do that whole ten twelve weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mimic those as much as you can in that back room on that little mat. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, the monitors are there so you can see what's going the on other in the fights. fights. Yeah, yeah. You have to be careful, especially when you have friends fighting, you can't emotionally plug in. Get excited. into those because I'm spending energy that I'm going to need when I got to walk out there and I got to fight. So that, that's always a wow. hard thing too. Uh, but just, you're very focused and, and enjoying the moment. Yeah, you know, I think that's the main thing. To let go of everything
0: else. And yeah, just, and
1: everybody's like, oh, "Aren't you nervous?" I'm like, "No. Why would I be nervous? I chose to to frame it differently. Mm-hmm. This is something I learned through dealing with the sports psychologist. Yeah. nervousness implies something negative is going on. Something. Yeah. And if you're nervous, you're already automatically you have a different posture and yeah. demeanor when you say you're nervous about something. I'm not nervous. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, you're smiling a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
1: I I've worked hard for this moment to walk out there in front of everybody. And show them what I've trained to do, what I'm, what I'm here to do. Doesn't mean I'm going to win. Doesn't mean it's going to go my way. But you set yourself up. But the to people win. who really care about me don't give a shit yeah. whether I win or lose. Yeah. All the fans and everybody else, they may be hot and cold whether I win wow. or lose, and but I can't, I, I can't place my value on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a person, as, as an athlete.
0: Where did uh, you put your value?
1: Uh, friends and family. I mean, those are the ones that really matter. Hmm. And, you know. Value yourself enough to, to do the work, to, Mm -hmm. to prepare the best way you know how. And, uh, you get, you make a mistake, you, you get knocked down. You gotta, you know, pick yourself back up. Learn from that experience.
0: Was there ever a time where you were like, man, I, uh, there's no way I can get out of this. Or maybe it's going to be really challenging for me to get out of this situation in the, in the cage where you're just getting pummeled. You're just like in the worst, most uncomfortable yeah, situation. Yeah, I've been there a couple times. And then you somehow got out of it and you won. Was yeah. there was there ever a situation I'd where you got, got out, out of
1: it? a couple of situations. Uh, probably the toughest fight I was in was the first time I fought Pedro Hizo. It was my first fight in Atlantic City. Uh, big Brazilian kid, great kickboxer, um, tough kid. And it was a back-and-forth battle. I went out and won the first round, almost had him TKO'd. Mm spent a ton of energy trying to finish the fight. Exhausted. Didn't, didn't finish the you know, referee John, Big John McCarthy was referee. Uh-huh. You know, he, I'd cut him. I'd, I'd hurt him, but it didn't, didn't stop the fight. And then the uh, second round, he came back, uh, kicked me, I blocked the kick, but punched myself in the nose, <laughs> broke my nose. Oh, man. So I'm bleeding all over now. And then he kept kicking me in the leg. It was the first time anybody'd really that kicked is me. A, that's hard. And, and, uh, he kicked me in the leg 14 times, I think, in my left thigh. Same spot. I have a dent still to this still. day. Still. Where the tissue just didn't recover. Right in the same uh, spot. It's
0: hard to walk and, when and, you get kicked a number many times.
1: times. Yeah. By the, by the fifth round, he kicked me once and my leg just gave out. I ended up on the floor. Really? Right as the, as the buzzer ended. Um, when I came back, and that was one of those times after the second round, I'm sitting there with a broken nose, bleeding, <laughs> you know, legs are just broken. exhausted. And I'm sitting on my stool looking at Dan Henderson, who was my corner man. And they give you that 10-second warning. You know, seconds out, 10 You're seconds. Like, I did it like three I'm just minutes. I'm sitting there looking at him, and he's looking at me. He's like, what are you staring at me for? Let's go. You know, I had to make a decision right then. Wow. You know, what, what was I going to do? And I got up and went out, and I won the third round. Won the fourth, he won the fifth, so he'd won the, the second and the fifth, I'd uh-huh. won the first, third and fourth. Ended up winning a unanimous decision, but it was you know, it was a brawl. Tough wow. fight. first fight my mom ever went to Oh my was gosh. that one. Oh my gosh. Nice she was like, I'll that. never watch it again on T V <laughs> She always had to wait for that phone call, you know. <laughs> right. She's like I know, I can see you're fine, you're all right and, yeah. and I'm here. I don't have to wait for a phone call. She came to every fight after that. Really? One, yeah. That's cool. So and I was in a fight up in Portland, mm. Oregon against, uh, uh, Noguera, mm. who's a great submission guy. And I was in a couple of tough spots in that fight and managed through, we prepared, you know, the, yeah. the train process with my ground coach. He, he understood the submission game as well as anybody, Neil, Neil Melanson. And, and, uh, we just kind of prepared counters for any potential submissions that this guy seemed to like. And, I ended up in all about all of them and managed to get out of about all of them. Wow. I ended up losing the decision, but, uh, it was a, still one of the fights I'm, I'm proud of that. Wow. You know, we'd done the work and, and it was a great fight.
0: I'm curious, how have, how has MMA and wrestling affected and impacted your personal relationships either with friends, with family, <laughs> but also with uh, in, intimate relationships?
1: Well, I, I, I have to this day, some of the best friends that I've ever, I mean, to wrestling and, and mm. fighting some of, some of the guys. They're my closest friends. They're yeah. the guys I, I rely on. I know I can count on and, and I think they know they can count on me. Uh, it's also been, I've been married and divorced three times. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a, a challenge, uh, staying connected, hmm. uh, with, with, uh, one person with all the travel, all the, you know, just everything kind of has to take a back seat, uh, when you, with you, your you're with your goals you trying to be the best at something and, and, mm. you know, my kids, my, my family, they, they've, they've sacrificed as much as I have for, for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it's tough. Challenging. Yeah, very, very challenging. Um, you know, I got married early. The first time I got yeah. married, I was, I was 19 years old mm-hmm. and out of necessity. I think I went on auto autopilot, you know, my girlfriend. Uh, I dated the same girl my whole senior year in high school and. Uh, we, uh, kind of broke up. I was going across the state to Washington state, walking on the wrestling program there. She stayed at university of Washington Mm. and I'm like, we're going to stop. How's this going to work? And, and, uh, we ended up breaking up, but I came home. I didn't make the team in November, uh, for Thanksgiving, Mm. the travel squad. I got beat out by a senior. He went on the trip. I went home for Thanksgiving. We went on a date, you know, uh, she called me three weeks later. I'm pregnant. Oh man. <laughs> and I went on autopilot. I'm like, sure. you know, I'm wow. like I'm not going to be like my dad. Right. I don't care what what happens, you know. I'm going to be there for this kid. It's going to be wow. part, you know. I'm going to be part of his life. I'm going to be there and I'm not going to be like my dad. And we ended up getting married that February. I quit school, walked away from school and joined the service. And uh was in the army for 6 wow. years. Had my second child Amy while we were stationed in Germany. Mhm. And uh, you know, we just slowly heading in different directions right. as we grew up, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's a great person. We 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 always got along. Yeah, that's uh, great. She we raised two amazing kids.
0: Sure. So, Let's what's know. it like with the relationship with those kids? With you know, again, you so focused and committed. Yeah, yeah well, well I think they connection.
1: understood it, and that you know, they came to all the fights, and and I think they appreciated it in a lot of ways it was an example of that hard work and mm-hmm. that work ethic and and all that at the same time there was the sacrifices I didn't I didn't see him as much as I wanted to see him I wasn't mm-hmm. especially after we divorced you know sure. from nine to, to 18 yeah. uh, you know, I wasn't there every day was you know I wasn't there as, as much as I'd like to have been or as much as they probably wanted me to be yeah but at the same time fighting allowed us a bunch of things you know, yeah as a professional easy. athlete that that you know, there were things that, that were benefits to yeah. that, to that. So the sacrifice went both ways.
0: What are the main lessons you've wanted to teach your, your children about, you know, your, your sons about what it means to be a man and be a good father. And
1: Well, my youngest is 13. So he's just now kind of getting into puberty and, and yeah. all that stuff. And, and, uh, he's an only child, my only child for my second marriage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, so th- there's a lot of challenges ahead with him and again, you know especially now i'm I'm as busy as I've ever been yeah uh again divorced and and he lives in oregon i'm I'm living you know in in vegas mm-hmm. uh it, it's It's a challenge to get yeah. up there as often as I want to to see he's just now kind of getting to that age where he's got the confidence to travel a little more mm-hmm. himself, yeah yeah, but even then he you know he's got his own life he's got his own friends, he's got his own things that he wants to do, and I don't always revolve around you know oh, let's go hang out with Dad for the weekend, mm-hmm. you know. And being a weekend father is a tough thing. It's tough. You know, you want to have a good time. You don't want to have to discipline and, and, you know, make corrections and yeah. do any of that stuff when it's the only time you get to see him this month. Yeah. And, uh, so that's a real, that's a challenge. Uh, yeah. his mom's a very strong person, very strong personality. And, uh, and, uh, I think, you know, that that's, uh, that's a challenge too. Yeah. So,
0: what lessons are you trying to teach? You know, your other son's a fighter, right? A- Ryan's fighting. He fights for
1: Bellator, and he's a very, very smart. Uh, you know, went to college, got his degree in math, and then decided wow. he wanted to fight. Wow. Uh You know, he's always been into wrestling uh-huh. through junior high and high school, and and yeah. did very, very well. But was always a very smart kid. And uh, what are
0: you trying to instill in him from the lessons you've learned? I
1: think. He understands it. He understands it. It's it's about work, but yeah. at, at the at the root of it, you have to have a passion for it. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to love it. If you don't love it, especially in a sport this difficult, you're not gonna make. The, That's true. You're not gonna make the sacrifices and do the things you need to do to get there to be the best at it. Right. Right. You may not be the most athletic or the most technically talented guy, but but yeah. if you're willing to work. That'll make a huge difference yeah. and, and he seems to be willing to
0: do the work what's your approach to teaching him how what it means to be a man again your father wasn't there for you. How do you try to teach him about masculinity and being a man
1: uh, i don't know i i I'm, I kind of follow the what I learned in the army, which yeah. is lead by example mm. uh, and yeah i've made mistakes I know i've made plenty of mistakes yeah. uh, but at the same time i've I've owned them and uh, been willing to be honest about them and not tried to, to hide or, or deny or, or, you right. know, uh, I think you have to stand up and take responsibility for yourself. And, and I, I think he, he gets that, uh, mm-hmm. he, in a lot of ways, he's a lot like me, <laughs> uh, which is, is cool. It's, it's, you know, I'm proud of him. Uh, yeah. he's a great kid. He's married now. That's uh, nice. got married going on two years now, year and a half now. Wow. And his wife's lovely and, and they live in Vegas and train sure. with me. That's great. Getting more and more involved in the gym and, and trying to run the gym. I'd love to just hand that all off sure. to him and, and go, you know, right off into the sunset, do my thing. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he's just, he's a great kid. That's He does cool. a great job. Uh, every single person that meets him, you know, is so complimentary mm-hmm. about what a nice man he is and just what like a you. great kid he is and, and, what a great job he does, how easy he is to work with, how funny he is to be around. And sure. Those, I mean, what, what more could you ask for?
0: Yeah. Talk to me about toughness and um, aggression. You know, you're considered, again, a lot of people consider you one of the toughest guys in the world, but you're also one of the nicest. What does toughness mean to you? And is it that hard work attitude or is it something <laughs>
1: Yeah, I else? think it, it comes from, from that work ethic, uh, but... It's not something you know you have unless you're willing to test it, unless you're willing to put yourself out there. I don't think people realize, and I guess maybe it's the sport of wrestling. Mm -hmm. You know, we used to do grind matches, 90 minute matches straight. 90 minutes straight. Come in, tie your shit on. No breaks, no water, no nothing. You're going to wrestle for the next 90 minutes straight. No, don't know where to hide, nowhere to go. And as the first time I've seen grown men actually break down, Really, and 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 cry, and just be. I mean, this is high school. You find or in that this. was in. This was on the army. national team. Wow, uh, we had some days like that in, in, in the army. In the army as well. High school was a, was. I mean, wrestling is in. For all intents and purposes, wrestling is the Marine Corps of high school athletics.
0: That's it, man. That and football. And, I would say football's it's, pretty it's, close.
1: <laughs> it's tough, and and uh you're going to find out where your breaking point is. How mentally tough you are you know how much you're willing how much you really want to be there how much you really want and love to to do what you're doing and uh i think you find those boundaries and you find that you can go Mm. a lot harder and a lot longer than you think you can your brain is telling you oh i'm tired i want to but you suck it up and Mm -hmm. you either have a coach or or your training partner that pushes you that motivates you to keep going to keep going to keep going even when your brain's screaming that you should do you want to quit wow and your body then you Next thing you know, you've gone 15 more minutes. You've gone 20 more minutes. Mm-hmm. When 20 minutes ago your brain was telling you you wanted to give up, you're, yeah. And then you, I was like, wow, I, I didn't quit. I kept going. Mm-hmm. And now that boundary's been set back a little bit further. Now you're going to go that far before your brain starts screaming. And again, through the help of your 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 own passion for yes. it, your training partners who you don't want to let down, and your coach who you don't want to let down, you're going to go another 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And now I got pushed back 10 minutes further. And you just keep pushing that boundary back and going harder and farther than you thought you could go.
0: But if you don't absolutely – That's mental
1: it. toughness. Yeah. And that was – it became my goal. It's something I learned at Oklahoma State. I think in the Army, I learned I, – junior high and high school, I learned the – I loved the sport. In the, in the Army, I learned that I could compete on an international stage – I don't think I had that confidence to do that when I was in junior high and high school. Interesting. I think when I was in the Army, I learned, oh, I can, I can compete at this you level. You learned the toughness, yeah. I was an alternate on the Olympic team as a soldier. <laughs> I can do this. Yeah. Then I got a scholarship to go to Oklahoma State, one of the best wrestling colleges mm-hmm. historically in the world. Yeah. And, and now I learned to win. Mm. I learned what it takes, the mental toughness to, to push myself and to work harder than anybody else and win and uh you know I didn't always win but I learned that I could win mm-hmm. and I, you know and again went on to, to win four national titles in greco and and you know be the number one guy in 92 and 96 I mm-hmm. fell short didn't didn't achieve my goal making the team winning my medal but I think that again that setback motivated me that much more to continue to to keep going mm-hmm. to to push myself further I had more to achieve more to do and then MMA rolled along
0: right and, and, and I, time- I think if I'd have,
1: won my medal i'd have been perfectly Done. happy i'd probably be a big old fat wrestling <laughs> coach right now blowing a whistle somewhere yeah. instead of you know continuing to yeah probably would have never been a fat wrestling coach That's right You training
0: yeah. yeah yeah but you won you went on to win six ufc titles right mm-hmm. is that right and i'm curious you know you said this is the first time you saw i guess boys men cry when they hit their breaking point mm-hmm. wrestling in these nine minute sessions what was that like when you would see? Was this a lot of people would do this, or a few people would like break I down? I saw it and cry a couple
1: up? times. Doesn't happen.
0: What would happen in the room when you know you saw that? Were people accepting where, of that, or were they like quit being, you know, quit crying and stuff? No, we, we, we,
1: that's the thing. Good training partners, your teammates, guys you, that that you know you can trust. Mm-hmm. Again, when you find yourself in that situation where you can't go anymore, where you just you literally emotionally break. They're going to pick you up. They're going to help mm-hmm. you go further, help you get through it. Uh, and that's what we do for each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it was more about support and love and connection, not yeah. like being a pussy. Nah, you no, know.
1: I mean, no, it was never like that. Right. You're never going to chastise that guy because that could be you tomorrow. Right. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, Interesting.
0: So you really were embracing that experience. You yeah, know? they
1: had to. That's cool. We're all struggling with it. A 90-minute match is a long match. <laughs> it's a long time. We're all struggling, you know. Wow. We're, we're all fighting the same fight, yeah. you know, and and so on that any given day that could be you and you realize that there's there's a recognition mm. of that vulnerability of that potential of that wall, that barrier mm. and we're all trying to push it back. Yeah. But we're all we're all fighting it.
0: Do you ever feel like you had to suppress uh, emotions when you were fighting? Like I have to be tough and strong. I can't show my emotions.
1: Absolutely, really. I think we learn to box things up mm. as athletes. You know, like, you know, we learn to stuff things, put them put them to the side, and stay yeah. on task. Stay on focused on what we need to do to go out and be effective and win. Uh, How did that and That's affect- what's weird about acting now. You have to express yourself. Yeah, they want that. <laughs> and I've spent my entire life, and I have that tendency anyway. Yes, uh, to to stuff things and not be terribly open and gregarious with my emotions. Sure, sure. I think you know, even as a kid. Uh, hmm. So I spent a ton of time. Boxing it all up, pushing it to the side and staying <laughs> focused on what I needed to do.
0: And now I'm supposed to just let all that out. <laughs> like, this is weird. Cry on command. Yeah, I mean? this is weird. Do you feel like the, you know, boxing the emotions, that that held you back in any way or that was the only way to be successful? I think that's where, it, ter-
1: where, where it, it it had a detriment in, and affected my personal relationships. Hmm. Uh, do you feel like you could have done? I, I had an adversity and maybe it was because of the type of personality that my mom was and that. My dad wasn't there. I didn't have an example, uh, in the house Mm -hmm. on how to deal, especially with those kind of confrontations, those emotional type of confrontations. And so I boxed all that up and just not, not engage at all. I didn't like that kind of confrontation, Mm -hmm. which is weird for a guy that gets in a cage and punches people in the face (laughs) to be afraid of that kind of confrontation. An emotional confrontation. Yeah. Those I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. Really? I hated it. And. And had an aversion to it and would do anything to avoid it. And a lot of times would stick my head in the sand and not deal with issues, not deal with problems. And that's, I think, you know, I was good at it as an athlete. And I think that being good at it in life, that wasn't good. You know, things hmm. got bigger, things festered. They they, till they got to a point where they're insurmountable. You can't get over them. The connection's so fractured and broken that you can't fix it. And, hmm. and end up, you know, walking away.
0: Wow. Do you think if you're, you know, you learned this at a younger age, whether you had a, a, you know, your father around to guide you in that process, or you just learned how to share your emotions better and communicate certain things that were frustrating you or whatever, do you think you'd still be as ferocious of a warrior in your sport?
1: That's a good question. It's hard to say. I think, yeah, part of what made me who I am and what made me good at what I was my ability to. Yeah kind of push that stuff to the side and stay you know stay focused mm. and and being a bit stubborn pig-headed <laughs> yeah. i think it, it and had i learned to stand up in those emotional situations for myself and say what i really needed or say w- what was really bothering me and and con- you know confront mm-hmm. i probably would still be married hmm. to 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 one of those ladies really? more than likely you know, the first one, we were so young. Yeah. Gosh, that that's an excuse. Right. But
0: You're just figuring yourself out still. Just,
1: yeah. We had no idea. Yeah. Really. We have two amazing kids that, that are amazing despite us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had a lot in common with the second one. And, and, uh, but she's a, uh, again, a very black and white person, a very sharp tongued, mm-hmm. very straightforward, uh, And, and that kind of confrontation, I I didn't deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have the skills to deal with it. I think I'm better now as, as I was something about turning 50 for me. Hmm. Most people say it's 40. Right. I mean, I just say I'm a late bloomer. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, but it was something about turning 50 for me that all these things kind of, I felt like Hmm. came, came home and I understood myself better than I ever have. I, uh, I knew what I, I know what I want. I know what I'll put up with. I know what I won't put up with. Mm. I, I'm better at communicating what I need, what I feel. Uh, I just didn't have all those skills mm. in my 20s and 30s, certainly.
0: What do you think it takes to learn those skills? Is there uh, classes? Is there, you know what is it?
1: I think being willing to open yourself up. You know, I, I spent a ton of time when you, when I failed at something like marriage. I I, I wanted to know why, mm. you know? and so I, I'd spend. Ton of time, more more time than I care to admit, with counselors, you know, digging around in myself, trying to figure out what, how did I do this again? How did I let this happen? What am I messing up? Mm -hmm. You know, why? Mm -hmm. I wanted to know why. I think if you're willing to put yourself out there, there's tons of places you can find answers. You can, but you got to be willing to muck around in in that dark shit that's in there that we all deal with. A lot of nastiness. We're all wounded. So, all, all. Faulty somewhere down the yeah. line. Yeah, you can have the best parents in the world, and
0: in that, they're they're damaging yeah. you. They're they're wounding you, <laughs> or you could be bullied in school, or have some other a million different know, reasons yeah, things. and things that could happen. Learning disability yeah. or something. Yeah, interesting. So, what what is your definition of masculinity now? Then, like, if if you wanted to teach your your sons, and you're like, okay, this is what it means to be masculine. What would you say? Is that definition?
1: Um, man, it's uh, such a tough question i know i think just being true to yourself true into your heart and and letting being strong enough to let people see that Mm. i think we have a tendency to put up walls and put up fronts and uh and and not really you know we're scared to to let people in to let people see yeah really what's going on really what we feel like and and i think a real man is strong enough and confident enough to, to to open up and and let you let
0: you see. Think a real man cries?
1: I think a real man does. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: Expresses emotion.
1: I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to. Uh, or you're not feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you shut it off so long that you just don't feel anymore. Yeah. And I think that's not good.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love the answer. I got I got a few more questions for you if that's cool. We got some time still. Yeah. Okay, come I think on. I'm love I'm loving this. Um, some other facts. You are on Dancing with the Stars, huh? Yeah. Was How was that blast, experience?
1: A blast. Karina Smirnoff was amazing, <laughs> amazingly talented and yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Fun to work with. Sure. Uh, I've interviewed Julianne just, Huff, who just, is
0: yeah. Uh, I've had her on the podcast. Yeah. She's great. She was
1: a judge when, when oh, I was nice. on. She wasn't wasn't dancing then. But uh, How'd you do her brother was Derek was was dancing and I've worked and out with amazing. Derek a couple yeah. times. He's incredible. They are amazing. I could sit and just watch them goof around the, the, and practice. because <laughs> yeah. 'Cause they're so amazing, so yeah. fluid and just yeah. they make it look so easy and they I could do that. And then you get out there like, oh, shit. I'm in way <laughs> over my head. <laughs> uh, but a blast. Absolute blast. But so work, you better be ready to work because it's a hard, lot huh? of work. Yeah, it's a crash course on how to be a professional dancer. So six hours a day, training. Six, seven hours a day. Like and there's camping. no day off. Wow. Even on Sunday, you're, you know. In the studio. Got got dresser, you got... Camera rehearsals today and dress rehearsals tomorrow because the show's tomorrow night. I mean, that's Sunday and Monday. Wow. And you've been spending four or five days leading up to that learning a new dance.
0: Yeah.
1: To, to, you're going to walk out there on national TV and do. So, I mean, it's intense. And How far do uh, you go? I made it three weeks. Yeah. I think, I've. you know, here's the thing. At the end of the day, it's a reality show.
0: Yes. And they it's not always
1: won. about the dancing. I think we were probably better dancers than some of the people that went a lot further in the show, but there's more to it than that. It's yeah. about votes and about getting Personalities, you know, all this types stuff and stuff. The, the hero yeah. that
0: they want to put out there. Yeah, so
1: things. there's a whole bunch of other things that are involved, but I had a blast doing it. Would you do it again? I would, actually. Yeah. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. I've liked, loved to dance since I was a kid. Wow. Really? My mom, you know, I think we're all petrified in the sixth grade, going into the seventh grade, we knew we were going to have to do school dances and we're all petrified. Mm-hmm. And they do dancing in PE class in the sixth grade. I think, you know, square dancing and other types of dancing, but. To kind of break you in and get get yeah, you ready yeah, yeah. mentally that this is what's going to happen in junior high and high school. Uh-huh. And I was petrified like everybody else. And my mom's like, oh, I love to dance. I used to do competitions when I was in school. And sure. she taught me how to jitterbug. And and uh, <laughs> so great. I had this great group of friends. We'd, we'd have dance competitions and all this stuff at our, our parties. And uh, mm. I just always loved it. I never That's did great. it formally in,
0: until then. We'll make sure to link up. We'll find a video to link up. From you dancing with the stars. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think everybody was a little surprised that I, yeah, you know, <laughs> 220
0: pounds, I could actually move. It's really cool. Um, now I'm curious. Now, now you've transitioned from uh, UFC MMA fighting, and you started getting into the acting world. We've kind of talked about it a little bit. Uh, some of the big things that I've seen that you've done. You've done all three Expendables. Mm-hmm. So you worked with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, one the best guys in the business for biggest sure. Biggest actors in the world. Yeah, absolutely. That must have been incredible. You also did the uh, Scorpion King two, is that right? Mm-hmm. An Ambushed and a few other things since yeah. then,
1: right? Yeah, I think I've done twenty nine now. Twenty nine totally. movies. Yeah,
0: Holy I've been doing cow. it for
1: fifteen years. Twenty nine. My movies. first movie experience was Cradle to the Grave. Okay. And they were looking for real cage fighters, <sighs> wow. so they went through the UFC. It's so like we want some real cage fighters. Do so you have some guys? And I had my SAG card mm. uh, from a from a commercial uh, back in. In 96, so we were, like like, were already so, in uh, it. So, uh, they called me, uh, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz to <laughs> be in this movie as cage fighters. Which was not a stretch, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, it was kind of an underground fight scene. And I ended up getting a fight scene with Jet Lee, Li- Jet who was one of the stars in the movie. And I had one line in the movie, Let's go, chicken shit. <laughs> I must have said that 25 times. To Practiced him. it I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, if I have to say this one more time,
0: so they wanted um, to get the
1: perfect luck, but huh? that was like getting to go to oz and see behind the curtain Mm. you know how how, you know the guy back there pulling the levers and making the smoke and the fire it was really cool very intriguing very Mm. interesting uh getting to see the whole process and immediately fell in love with it Mm. Uh, and i've been a, a guy who loved the movie since i was a little boy my mom used to take me and my sisters to the lynn twin in linwood where i grew up to the double feature and you know they had the clown or something going on between the two movies, and we'd stay and watch both movies yeah. and uh, I just since I was a little kid, I always
0: loved the movies that's cool so what's the what what's more um I guess you said you don't get nervous before a big fight, but what's scarier for you a uh your first UFC fight or your first big movie what was like more nerve-wracking
1: <sighs> i yeah, the first time I fought really? it was definitely uh walking out It's just so surreal.
0: 50,000 screen Yeah.
1: And, just- and I think, you know, having had those experiences, walking out on the wrestling match for some big matches, you know, NCAA finals, yeah. Olympic trials, World Championships, you know, some big matches prepared me for then eventually walking out of that tunnel for a fight. Different rules of engagement, mm-hmm. a whole different thing. Fans were
0: crazy, but you kind of had experience. Uh, but right. I, I, yeah. I it
1: kind of stepped up, and then I think really being involved in the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, uh, the reality show. Yeah. Uh, having a camera follow you around twenty four seven. You got used to it. Yeah. You got for the first week it feels weird, and you're like, oh, there's a cameraman again." It's kind <laughs> of self conscious about it. Yeah, yeah. But then after a while, you just doing what you do, and you forget about it, which can be good or bad. Because <laughs> you, say, uh, you say stuff. Yeah, you say crap you shouldn't say. Uh, but but I think then I was used to being in front of the camera. I didn't. It, I, yeah. it, I didn't. Be, I wasn't self conscious anymore. So then you get the chance to go to. The, that first movie, and again, at, I'm there as a fighter. Mm-hmm. That's not hard. Right. Be I yourself. mean, I've been doing that yeah. for a long time, so I just could be what I was, and yeah. I didn't think about the camera. I wasn't worried about that. And, and so, yeah. and then, you know, it built from there to, to actually getting to try and find ways to play characters sure. and, you know you get to do and say and be things you would never be in real life which yeah, is what's fun about that's it
0: that's cool what was uh, it like with those guys with the, the Expendables with all the all-stars man it, it was
1: surreal uh, so I with them for a even then months, even, huh? even, even they're looking at each other like can you believe we're all here this is crazy really yeah it was you had this sense that they were like scratching their head kind of looking at each other you know we got we're, we're one in, Expendables 2 were in this city in Bulgaria called Plovdiv. Mm-hmm. And we're at this airport that we utterly destroy this airport in uh, one way, shape, or form. And we're chasing Jean-Claude Van Damme's character through this airport. And uh and it's cold outside, so we're in these tents, and we're all like tacking up. We're all putting all our gear on. There's Chuck Norris, Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger. But you'd had this training, you- Stallone. <sighs> Everyone, all, everybody there. were all kind of getting this gear on and walking you know, like a locker room. room or what? Yeah, like, it was like a locker shut room. Up. Kind of. So we're all kind of looking at each other, like, "Can you believe this? This is, this is amazing!" Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was really cool. Wow! And you were like the—I mean, those guys were all mostly actors. You were, you know, becoming an actor. Was it different for you than I think for them? You think? I, you Since know, are like, "Wow, these guys are just you know big movie stars." Well, they
1: certainly know the lay of the land. And if you want right. to learn, if, if this is what you're aspiring to do, then what right. better group of guys to hang out with and, and kind of watch how they operate. And, and show? They, they demonstrated to me why they've been at the top of their game for 30 plus years, <sighs> wow. many of them. And the dichotomy of the couple of guys there that maybe have been way up and down. You could tell the they demonstrated why they've been way up and down, too. So uh it was it was you know a learning experience for sure if you're paying attention again i apply those wrestler's eyes to everything i do and and so i'm i'm paying attention i'm spending time in video village learning about lenses learning Mm -hmm. about camera speeds learning about why you shoot this one that way and how you light that one that way and and that sort of thing uh just because it's really intriguing it's Mm -hmm. a very interesting process it's magic in some ways it is
0: man did they uh did anyone kind of like bring you under their wing like sylvester or schwarzenegger did anyone like say hey come here randy let me Help you out a little bit or-
1: I've, I've had a couple directors along the way that have give me tidbits i w- I got to work with David Mamet mm-hmm. uh, in in uh red belt mm-hmm. great film kind of an American samurai story sure uh, and and he's you know well renowned writer and and director yeah. uh, and just kind of getting to hear from him it's like don't don't worry about the words just let it just mm. spit it out just yeah. say it like this just you know and, and, and Sly kind of reiterated that too. We're a first scene where all the expendables come together in, in one. We're in this, we're about to go in these tunnels and try and rescue the girl. Uh-huh. And, and you know, there's four or five of us around there. It's the first scene where all of us come together. We, you know, the movie had been shooting for a couple of weeks, but that was the first one where all the expendables came together in one camera shot. And so wow. it was kind of, everybody was With kind the of, the buzzing about it. Yeah. Scene, like. and, and then we're standing around this tunnel entrances and there's three or four different, things of dialogue that have to happen so you have to know your lines but you have to know your cue too when he says this this is was, and and it was kind of going sing-songy the way it was coming out and slides like no that's not we're in a hurry here we're getting ready to you know we're synchronizing our watches to go into this mission this is not how this would be said spit it out quit you know hmm. and and so we're like okay that made sense so we just that you just let it go and then it sounded right. It worked right. And huh. so, you know, little things like that, that you have to pay attention to that these guys know these things
0: on that cast, the Spindles cast, who was the most impressive to you that you were just like, man, that guy is just a pro. And it's just like,
1: well, I spend the most obviously all three movies were their slides, baby. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, he wrote the first one, hmm. uh, like Rambo, like Rocky. I mean, he's, he's very, very he's smart man. And to to see, I don't know how he survived the first movie as the writer, the director, <laughs> producer, whatever in you front are. of the camera. We're running three units, you know. He's looking at all the dailies, doing all the rewrites, plus acting and directing. And I'm like, he's a machine. I'm and we're working nights. We work nights the entire film. I'm like, when when does this guy sleep? Wow. So, um, but to to have him adjust dialogue, you know, think, you know what? it makes more sense for him to say that you say this you say that and let's try it that way
0: so there's a lot of editing
1: on the card and then you know what this scene needs it's just it needs flat we need a we need a one liner or something and he'll come up with a one liner off the top of his head really uh and just i mean he was just really really it's, brilliant Wow. very 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 smart and you know to Schwarzenegger's the same way. I've seen him step up in front of a thousand people at, at the Arnold Classic for the yeah. After School All Stars, yeah. and just off the cuff, he's uh, amazing. Gregariously engage the entire audience, humor, AM, yeah, and, and just, I mean, that's a gift. It's a gift. <laughs> and and everybody thinks because they talk funny or they have an accent that they're not smart. They're wow, very brilliant. smart guys. Yeah,
0: brilliant. Wow. What do you think is the, miss, uh, the biggest misconception about you that people have? well
1: i think people most know me for walking up in a cage and punching guys in the face and so there's a kind of a veneer or a particular appearance that comes with that yeah there's a you know i'm a competitive yeah i can be an so (laughs) i can be a tough sob if i need to be but but i think uh i'm a very normal you know i'm a normal guy i could have lived next door to you for years and you'd have never known the difference yeah uh I've struggled with a lot of the same things that everybody else struggles with. They have a tendency to put these athletes up on these pedestals yeah. and then it's really hard for them to live up to that. Uh-huh. So I never tried to create a persona and, and I felt bad for guys like Tito. He kind of created this bad boys persona yeah. and, and I've had this conversation with him. He's like, he hates it. He doesn't want to live up to that all the time. Yeah, and you see now as, as he's matured that he's kind of let that go. He doesn't really have to be that guy anymore. Yeah. Conor McGregor and, and I think is he's example. kind of exactly. He's got to, everybody expects that of him everywhere he goes. Exhausting, Man, I can't imagine that that's really who he is. Right. And I just tried to keep it simple. Try to be who I am. I love, I have a love for this. I I really enjoy competition. Mm -hmm. Individual combative sports is what at 10 years old. Again, I started it for the, for the wrong reasons, probably to get my dad's attention, but I found what I loved. I found what I wanted to do. Mm. So, um, it worked out.
0: Have you reconnected with your dad a lot? Since? Well, my
1: dad passed a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But in the last 10 years of, of his life, we spent more time together than we did oh, for great. the first uh, 30 of mine. Wow,
0: that's uh, right. Do uh, you feel like you
1: uh, were... loved fighting? Yeah. Uh, he. Used to, I used to bring him to the fights. So he did come and, to the fights. And, uh, and he was a big fan of that. That's cool. But, you know, he never saw me wrestle. Hmm. Uh, which is where it started for me. And yeah. he came to a few soccer games when I was a kid. I loved soccer too. I started playing soccer at five years old. Um, he came to a few soccer games, but he never came to a wrestling match, at least to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, did you get to, he missed out. Yeah. He to missed be out. Honest.
0: Yeah. Did you get to, you know, kind of open up and use some of the tools you have now to share kind of how you felt about things with, from the past? with We him never or?
1: got that opportunity. Hmm. Um, we came close. Uh, a couple times um but we never really hmm. and he was he wasn't one of those guys that was very open with the way he felt he there. didn't want to communicate he didn't yeah. want to go there yeah it was hard for him and and i think there were things there that that still hurt still hurt for him yeah he still probably hurt. felt and shameful so, and
0: guilty and all those i, things. I don't know it's,
1: it's hard to say but i, I suspect yeah and, and i saw as he got older uh, and he never really paid much mind. He didn't know my oldest to Ryan I mean, and Amy, but but my youngest, Caden, he'd moved down to the lower 48. He was closer. So whenever I went to see Caden, he would drive the six hours down from, cool. from Central Washington and spend the weekend with us and really kind of doted on Caden. And in my mind, I'm like, what the hell? What about the you know?
0: other two? Yeah. Or,
1: or what about me? Are you, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you? know, Where were you when I was this old? You know, And All I think right. that's where he was at. I think he realized he'd missed something. Huh. And he was kind of making up for it wow. by, by, you know, Christmas gifts and different things with, with my youngest Spoiling and, at me. and, you know, my youngest kind of got closer to him than any of the rest of us did, mm. uh, uh, you know, grandpa Ed. So, yeah. uh, and then, you know, obviously the passing was, that was tough yeah. and it is what it is. Yeah. You
0: know? So you never got to really share with him how, uh-uh. how you felt or what we were upset about.
1: No, yeah. I think he probably would have felt better if I did. Hmm. If I'd have let just blasted him and just you know let it all out. What do you think he would have said to him? It. I think he would have felt better. It would have been cathartic for him mm-hmm. if, if I'd have, but I was I just was never wired that way. Yeah. and, and uh, I don't think I had the the skills to to let all that out. At some point, I just had to come to terms with it and let it go. Yeah. I realized all the things. That he put me through all the things that, that, you know, dealing with my mom and as a single parent that she had to do to take care of three kids. They made me who I am.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And so I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what? I can't harbor animosity and anger because of those things that made me who I am if I'm
0: okay with who I am. Sure. So I had to let go of all that. Yeah. If you could just tell him one sentence what you'd want to share, you don't have to scream at him, but what would you I do? think th- that's what I would tell him.
1: Yeah. You know what? I was pissed off and and I was upset that you were never around and you know I had to do father son soccer games with with Tim's dad John mm-hmm. instead of you uh you never even saw me wrestle one time but all those things drove me they motivated me they you know and I could have made a lot of other worse choices yeah I had, you know, a lot of guys use that as an excuse to be dirtbags, to be yeah. douchebags, to be drug addicts, to be whatever. You know, it motivated me to be better to, to, to do the things I've
0: done. Mm. That's great. That's great. Um, final couple questions. Okay. I, I feel like I could talk to you all day about this stuff. I love the mindset, the toughness, everything mm. that you're going through. This is exciting for me. Um, what are you most grateful for in your life recently?
1: My family and my friends. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, an amazing group of friends. Uh They, you know, they help me with my charity endeavors. They, they understand me. They don't want to talk about fighting. They don't, you know, they're, yeah. they're, that's how, you know, fans and, uh,
0: they don't care about that stuff. Yeah,
1: They don't care about any of that. Oh, yeah. They know cool. me since
0: way back. Before you, know, you were. Yeah. Before you were the guy. When I was yet. wet in the
1: bed. <laughs> uh Yeah. And so, you know, my mom and my sisters, hmm. um, yeah, I think that's what it boils down that's to. Cool. My kids are amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and the biggest struggle is with the youngest with Caden and trying mm-hmm. to be a bigger part of his life, being, finding time and spending more time and, and having an impact on him. Yeah. And, uh, he's kind of coming into those years where that's, it, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah, you know, for sure. And it's, it's a challenge.
0: Yeah. What's the dream for you now? Is it to be, um, you know, if you could write the story for the next 50 years, you've had an incredible first half of your life, mm-hmm. essentially, if you could write the next half of your life, what would the movie script look like for you? Like, what oh, would you man. create? What roles would you have? What uh, type of person would you be? You know, what's, would you run for office? You know, what's, what are the things that you yeah, want to do? Yeah, I don't,
1: I don't see myself running for office. Right. Uh, and I don't know, for some reason, again, I think turning 50 was, there was something about all that. Yeah. Uh, I've been writing poetry huh. since I was in college wow. you know, at, at tw- tw- mid my mid twenties and then accumulated all these poems and things that I'd written over the years. I've never shared them with anybody wow. ever. And, and if something happened, I don't know, at 50, turning 50 and realizing I lived a half a century, I, I started posting some of them and letting <laughs> some of that out. And, uh, you know, the, my GI foundation is something that means a lot to me. You know, having worn the uniform in the 80s and never had a shot at, never got put my ass on the line. Right. Unlike the guys nowadays that are dealing with, uh, you know, traumatic brain injuries and mm-hmm. PTSD and living through things that a lot of guys didn't live through before, missing limbs and stuff. that's yeah, uh, tough. Trying to raise awareness and, and money and help some of these guys out that need a little extra help uh, has been something I've been involved in for the yeah. last eight years that means a lot to me. Um, you know, seeing Ryan continue to flourish and, and mm-hmm. do the things that he seems to have a passion for and, and, you know, kind of hopefully pass that mantle on to him. Let mm-hmm. him take, take the brand, take the things that I started and let him continue with that. I, I'd like, you know, that's something yeah. I'd, i I want to continue and I'm having a blast acting, yeah. uh, get, you know, learning more, getting better at it. Uh, I, I, I want to be challenged. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be easy to do the, the action films the or, or, guy, yeah. or or you know, the fighter stuff, the martial arts stuff. I I, I want more challenging stuff. So trying to ferret it out and put myself in those situations. Mm. Uh learn to let all that stuff out.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> and That's just great. show
1: it and and uh and embrace it. Uh yeah. you know. Are you doing a consistent acting class too or you're I have a coach that I work mm. with uh yeah. that I I uh, really, really enjoy and he's been on every end of the spectrum. He's an amazing guy. Barry, mm. Barry Primus that helps has been working with him for about six or seven years. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah. uh, so getting a chance to spend more time with him yeah. when I can, uh, and, uh, it seems like we get less and less time, but, uh, mm. yeah, you know, when I got a role coming up, when I got a script that, that I'm going to have to, you know, He's it's the challenge. Yeah. yeah. He helps me kind of ferret out, yeah. dig through it and, and find a way to relate to that character to, to, tell the truth to, yeah. to play that character and tell the truth no matter what he does. Right.
0: Cool. So. That's cool. Okay. Um, this is a question I asked at the end for everyone. It's called the three truths, three truths question. <laughs> and I didn't prepare you for this. So this is off the cuff for Randy. But, um, if this is uh, you know, many years from now, it's your last day and it's your last day here on this earth. And you everyone, never know, do you? You never know, but let's say it's <laughs> many, many years, another half a century. You these
1: lungs for the last time right here. You never know. Yeah.
0: yeah. This is it. But, uh, Let's say it's 50 years from now, let's say. And, um, let's hope. How's that? Okay, let's hope. Yes. And you've achieved everything you want. Everything you say you want, you went out mm-hmm. and you've done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and a lot of it's a lot of, a lot of hard work still, but you created it. And, um, everything you've created for whatever reason has been erased. All the movies, the books you've written, the poetry you've put out there, it's, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, your great great grandchild comes up and says, here's a piece of paper and a pen. Can you write down the three truths that you know from your whole life, everything you know to be true? If you boil it down to three simple things that would you'd pass on to us, essentially that we could look at, we could frame it, and it would be, you know, your example of how to live life or what you know to be true. What would be those three truths for you?
1: Hmm. I think I think you gotta live. I think a lot of people are going through the motions; they're not really living. Uh, you gotta love. Hmm. I think we, uh, it sounds like a poster already, doesn't it (laughs) live, laugh and love. I I think I've had a a lot of fun doing the things that I do, uh, even when there was a lot of work involved, um, but I think you do those three things the best that you can. Mm -hmm. Don't go through the motions, do what you want to do, do, do live, live how you want to live and you better smile and have fun doing it. And Try to find somebody to share it with, love, you know, love somebody, find, find somebody to share it with.
0: Mm, I love that. Simple, man, but it's effective. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, well, before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Randy, for your incredible symbol of excellence. You know, at every stage of your life so far, you've been a great symbol of showing what's possible for people, you know, starting late, uh, you know, kind of getting fame late in your thirties, starting a sport. That you've never done before and excelling it, you know, being six time champion, world champion. It's incredible. But also doing it with a smile on your face mm. and not having to be this like tough guy, like mean or nasty about it, but really being like, hey, I can be a nice guy as well and also achieve my goal still in the context. Yes. The punch in the face. Yeah, in the face. <laughs> but, uh, your, your level of humility is unbelievable. Your humility, and your symbol for excellence, like the, I know how much work you've put in. It's unbelievable the amount of energy and effort you put in to achieve what you do. So I just want to acknowledge you for your incredible symbol and for the, the man that you are and the, how you represent manhood in a great way. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. And, um, before I ask the final question, where can we hang out with you and connect with you most? Where should we go? What's the website or social media? Uh, out I'm on, uh, Randy. Underscore Couture on Twitter,
1: uh-huh. Randy Couture on Facebook, uh, XC Natch on Instagram. Okay. Um,
0: where do you it, hang out the most? Where do you like, which platform? They all, you
1: know, everybody's got a smartphone now. They all yeah, kind yeah. of come to your smartphone. Sure, sure, They're all kind of intertwined and connected. So right. if I post on one, they kind of bleed over and post sure, everywhere sure, sure. and, cool. and, uh, you can kind of track me that way. The, the gym website, uh, the GI foundation, extreme couture GI foundation. .org, okay. XCGIF.org. All those are kind of the calendars of where I'm at, what's going on with me. Sweet. Um, sweet. Yeah, you know, we just had a big month for the charity this last month. Yeah. Uh, big ride down in Georgia, big, big uh, country concert down there. We just had our eighth annual ride and, and country concert in uh, Vegas as well. Nice. So, okay. Uh, rubbing elbows with a lot of soldiers and having a lot of fun. That's great.
0: We'll have it all linked up here on the show notes afterwards. So make sure you guys go check it out. Follow Randy and check out the, uh, the sites as well. Uh, the final question is what's your definition of greatness? Uh, I think
1: it's, it's easy to admire and, and kind of peg the guy that wins all the time as being great. But in my opinion, I think the true measure of, of greatness is how somebody deals with losing, how somebody deals with loss and how they respond to that adversity. That's what's really going to show me your character. That's what really going to tell me what you're all about. And so that's, that's when I start to pay attention
0: mm.
1: is what happens. You know, everybody talked about Ronda Rousey losing this last year and, and I'm like, well, now we get to really see what Ronda Rousey's made of and, and what, what, how is she going to respond to that adversity? And I suspect that and I, we haven't seen it yet, but uh, I suspect that she's going to pick herself up and we'll see her come back mm. as strong as ever. But, uh, you know, uh, I think dealing with that that kind of adversity and loss is is what greatness is all about. That's what great people do. They pick themselves up, they figure out where they went wrong, and they get about doing it better.
0: Mm. The legendary Randy Couture. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate Pleasure. it. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with the one and only Randy Couture. And if you did, make sure to share this out and give Randy some love. Tweet him, post about him on Instagram and Facebook. All of his information is back at lewishouse.com slash 335. If you enjoyed this as well, leave a comment. Leave a comment below the blog or below the YouTube video uh, over on youtube.com slash lewishouse. And let me know what you think. Let me know. Um, what you took away from this episode in the comments section as well. And if you enjoyed this, make sure to please leave us a review. When you leave a review, it helps us get more awareness about the podcast. So if you love the podcast, if you appreciate getting it for free, if you appreciate the guests that I'm getting on here, then make sure to help spread the word by promoting it and also leaving a review on iTunes. You guys mean the world to me and you're never too old or too young to achieve your dreams and pursue them. And Randy's an incredible example and symbol of that. So I hope you took that away from this episode and you can still go after your dreams and be a nice, genuine, loving human being. You don't have to be some nasty, mean person. Even if you're fighting or wrestling, you can still be joyful and bring a smile to the cage and to the ring in any area of your life. You can do it with joy and positivity and lifting others up around you you don't have to take others down in order for you to get to the top it's about making sure everyone wins around you and i hope you guys feel that and know that and continue to do that in your lives as well i appreciate you i love you guys very much you mean the world to me and you know what time it is it's time to go out there and do something great